0: 94.3 The Game, WRTHD1, Farmville, Greenville. Powered by the Richie Law Firm Injury Lawyers. Go to godbrian.com That's gotbryan.com. woo It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yeah! on the patrick johnson show on 94.3 the game oh my goodness the flagship station of the ecu pirates
1: okay hello again everybody and welcome in a uh, busy busy thursday uh here and uh we've got a full show for you uh p-man with you donnie kirkpatrick is going to be our special guest coming up in uh, our next segment we're going to be uh, talking to him uh, for the balance of the hour once we get going with Donny K. So looking forward to that uh, here on the PJ show this afternoon. Before we go uh, any further, let me uh, first just throw out there our absolute uh, heartfelt uh, thoughts and uh, prayers with people in Kinston. Uh, bad tornado on the uh, northwest side of town today causing some damage, uh, and a lot of folks that uh, I know uh, – have had their businesses suffer damage. I'm not, I've not heard anything about any injuries at this point. One of the, my friends over there I've communicated with uh, says the building was damaged, but they're fine. He is in an, his employees are fine. So uh, tough stuff weather wise over in uh, Kinston today. And uh, we get our signal into there. So we're obviously uh, uh, thinking about those folks in my uh, hometown of Kinston today. Uh. Cookie, I don't know. Uh, Chris Cook finally has uh, cut off v- vacation from his vacation, and uh, he and Clark uh, Willis are uh, on the on the ones and twos today. You serious, sure Cookie? Do we do we have a pirate report, Cookie? Because uh, I wanted, to, I got a, a note. I just wanted to. I didn't know if yes. we had. Yes, we sure right. do. Well, because let, 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 there's a lot to get to in this opening segment before we get Donnie K on. So let's uh, start with some ECU news and this pirate report.
0: And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety-four-three. The Game.
1: Citing a report from uh, Bracketeer, which is a college basketball website, Rocco Miller, uh, Hoist the Colors reporting this afternoon uh, that the ECU Classic is being put together and be a three-game MTE that would feature the Pirates, Kennesaw State, and they had a great year last year, but I think they would be down. Georgia Southern and Northeastern Northeastern's coached by a really good uh, coach and Bill Cohen, but I don't think they're going to be great this year either. Uh, The games would be played November 19th through the 21st. So right there in that area before Thanksgiving, but it would be in Greenville. So they wouldn't have to travel like they did last year for the event down in Florida. And so uh, that's something I'd I'd heard a bit about a couple weeks ago. And then I got some more definitive uh, info on it this week, but, uh, Nice hustle by uh, Steve and I go to uh, get that out there to the masses today. We've got it posted on 94.3 The Game's uh, social media as uh, well. All right, so that is uh, today's uh, abbreviated Pirate Report. So overnight, there was uh, some information put out from uh, the first statement, really, from the Big Rock. And this just continues. I was getting calls about this last night. This just continues to be an enormous story, uh, particularly in eastern North Carolina. So... A three-minute video that was put out, Emory Ivey, who is the uh, president of the Big Rock board, uh, in a, a three-minute video that was uh, produced and uh, put out last night, uh, talked about a very uh, various things. Uh, this was one of the comments, the excerpts
2: from that video. Rules are important in every sport because you have to have a perimeter, some guidelines to judge what it is that you're doing. And uh, he also had this to
1: say about uh, this uh, this controversy
2: the difference in the in the two the sensation uh their typical or their situations so what this is I, I didn't have the the
1: chart in front of me it's been a little bit of a hectic afternoon so uh where this uh is is uh there was a fish that had won that had sustained some damage in 2019 and this is that apples to apples or apples to oranges comparison according to the big rock the
2: difference in the in the two the sensation Uh, Their their situation specifically happened while they were fighting the fish. Um, The top dog's fish happened when they brought the fish on the boat. So the fish was already boated, the game was already over, and they couldn't have uh, acquired any penalties because they had already boated the fish. So, Cookie,
1: you could say a lot of things about me, right? I'm sure you have. Positive, of course, yeah. Yes, um, but you could say many things about uh, the great P-man.
3: I could, yes.
1: And you can say a lot of things about the great P-Man show here, the Patrick Johnson show on 94.3, the game in the IBX media app. But one thing we always tend to be is on the cutting edge, right? We're, We're always. Oh, we're on it. Oh, yeah. A little different angle, a little different. This is a, continues to be a big story, but there is now a sub story that has emerged out of this. That involves the sushi and involves some of the other boats as well and really nobody else is reporting on it, 99.9 The Fan, a guy who actually was with us for a not even a cup of coffee, maybe like a cup of creamer, Graham Hills, one of my Kinston buds, a uh, young guy in the business. He's up there as a producer. Well, because he's an Eastern North Carolina guy, he was able to get some of the captains of these uh, boats that participated in the Big Rock. He had connections. So he got Donnie White on, who's the captain of Seawolf, just to get his perspective on the controversial ending. That was not what has made headlines out of this. What made headlines out of this is this is Donnie White. Remember when the boat, Cookie, you were down there, so you remember this. The boat April May was struck by lightning and adrift out at sea. Yes, yeah, so no I remember that.
3: Is there always this many problems with it, or is this just like a freak year or something?
1: This is a this is a news newsworthy year. I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff. It's just this is uh, this is all blown up double uranium, y'all. So this is Donnie White in the course of the interview talking about that, saying that the sushi was out there with the April May was aware they got hit by lightning. And just left him. So this is what Donnie White said on 99.9 The Fan earlier this week. 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh.
4: 7 o'clock in the afternoon, I get a call from Doc Brewer, who's the captain of the April-May, um, saying he was in harm's way. He was in trouble. He was taking on water. He got struck by lightning. And actually, the sushi had been on standby beside him. And had left. the will go weigh a dolphin.
1: So, you know, that's not the greatest audio there. But what he was saying is the sushi was out there and left the April-May to go weigh a dolphin. Now, the dolphin wins you two grand if you win that day's heaviest dolphin. So you can imagine that the owner and captain of the sushi, who is the winning fish in the Big Rock, Charlie Pereira, is not happy about
3: this sounds like they made what we call a business decision.
1: Well, he wanted equal time on 99.9 The Fan. And oddly enough, and, and I, I just got this, these interviews minutes before the show. So I haven't gone through them in their entirety. Now, I was shown the thing that Donnie White said earlier in the week. But I, I, to me, it wasn't anything with everything we've had to do the last few days, anything that I could really get into and address. And I wanted to listen to it myself. And so the, the folks at the fan sent it over to me late this afternoon. And uh, I was able to pull that cut out of it. This is the cut I was able to pull out of uh, what the sushi had to say. Uh, This is Charlie Pereira, the captain and owner of the sushi in response to that accusation. They just
5: left the April may out there. I heard a call on the radio, um, uh, you know, white sport fish boat uh, off, you know, to our side there in the distance. Uh, can you help us out? Uh, we lost both engines. And uh, I looked over and saw the approximate direction that they were discussing. I saw a boat stop. So I turned and, and ran to him and uh, uh, stood by his side and, and uh, until, uh, until he uh, advised me that they uh, got their, uh, one of their engines started and they got underway and we're making uh i advised them they were making 10 or according to my gps and uh, i ran with them next to their side for a while until he felt comfortable i gave him coordinates made sure that he had a cell phone apps up and running because his electronics were down and he advised me that they had their cell phone apps up and running had good coverage that they they knew what their coordinates were and what their speed was and that my presence was no longer necessary at that point and all right so he's basically saying he
1: waited out there he made sure they knew where they were coordinates wise when they got the engine running the single engine that they said they were fine well i think that single engine went out so on this same interview that the uh, sushi captain was on tom brewer who you heard his name invoked earlier is the captain of the april may and this is what he had to say when he was asked about how the seawolf got involved in all this i keep in mind again this is donnie white a minute ago captain of the Seawolf, who's saying that the
2: winner of the Big Rock Sushi just left April May out there. We were afloat out there, and after I sent Charlie away um, and we were under the belief that Sito was coming out, um, there was no communication on Sito's behalf to let us know that he turned around. Um, it was Donnie that let us know that he passed Seto because we were, at that point, was still within cell phone range. And we were able to communicate via radio and cell phone range for on the radio for a short period of time, just because the batteries went you know went down later on because of running the bilge pumps and things. But uh, you know we learned from Donnie that uh, on his way out that he passed Ceto and they were turned around the opposite direction that they were not headed that way. And um, then we radioed them and asked them what was going on, and they said that they were told by their office that they, they, they weren't able to be dispatched to us because it was too rough. So, look, that Donnie White clip on
1: social media for 99.9, the fan's gotten a ton of traffic. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, the dual call with Sushi's captain and owner and the captain of the April-May garners that much. You know, it's always the second turn on this sometimes doesn't get as much as the first turn. Um, And I'm not accusing anybody of being uh, less than truthful here, but, you know, there's obviously two divergent – Uh, versions of what happened there, even though the April-May, I think, maybe shed some light on it that things went south for them after they had gone ahead and sent the sushi back. So that's been one of the uh, sub-controversies in addition to this big thing with the sensation. You're right, Cookie. It seems like there's just – it's fraught with a lot of issues. Cookie, if I send you the uh, two interviews that the fans sent me over, would you post that on our – Social media during the Donnie Kirkpatrick interview and get yes. that up.
3: Yes, I will. Okay,
1: and explain what's going on. Just take what the fan says and credit them, and just we'll put it up on our social media, and we'll let the people decide. So, all right, um, crazy stuff though out of the Big Rock, but your week was good, Cook. He wasn't it.
3: I it? I had a great time at the Big Rock. I, I mean, we we did keep hearing all these stories and stuff popping up as as the week went on, but my experience there was great. Yeah.
2: Well.
1: Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know if we'll have time at the end of the show because we are gonna we got to get to Donnie. we got to get it to him right now. Uh, but our show is going to take a summer hiatus starting Friday. It'll be our last show tomorrow. PJ Conley, Hayes Permar will be on with us. Uh, and then we're going to take a little summer break and come back in late July. We'll have some best of programming for you. Uh, but Cookie's last day with the company, is it Friday or is it next week, Cookie? It's it Friday, is
3: tomorrow, it? yes.
1: Yeah, so I won't see you tomorrow because we'll, I think you're going to be traveling on the road for uh, – talk of the town in the morning so yep, we'll uh, be in oriental cookies headed to a uh, a new job and uh we're very proud of cookie and thank uh, you wish you the very best of luck cookie in that endeavor
3: i wish y'all the best of luck as well thank you for y'all have all been great man i want to i want to thank everybody but we don't have the time but like yeah thank you so much for all you've done for me
1: well you know we love you cookie so good luck same to you,
3: you. you seriously
1: All right. Uh, Hey, we're going to grab a break, and when we come back, Donnie Kirkpatrick is going to be with us. We'll talk some ECU football with Coach Donnie Kay on the other side of this timeout on the Thursday Patrick Johnson Show.
0: Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man.
1: On the Patrick Johnson Show, Donnie Kirkpatrick is with us, ECU offensive coordinator. We've been waiting for weeks to talk to – Coach Donnie Kane, and he joins us here on the telephone this afternoon. Coach, how are you?
4: I'm good, man. Good to be here on the big-time show, Patrick Johnson. That's I made it to the big-time final. There
1: you go, and I've
4: got the big-time
1: guest, so this is a big-time uh, episode <laughs> today. Uh, did Ypsilanti not have a hospital when you were there?
4: Ypsilanti, I don't know that it did because okay. uh, my son was born while I was there, but the, yes. the hospital was in Ann Arbor. The address. Uh-huh. So my son is actually excited to go back to the big house and see the Pirates play uh, where, he was, uh, where he was born because he hasn't been back since uh, probably two days because we were in transition. I had taken the job at University of Louisville uh, when he was born, and I did get back just in time because it was spring break. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had to quickly leave, and uh, we, we moved really right after he was born.
1: Well, you know, I think it all comes full circle this year. Your son was born there, and the Pirates are going to go and shock the world against the Wolverines. I like that. I like the story in this. uh this, yeah. this deal. Uh, it could be a good one. It yeah. could be. It could be. All right. Lots to talk to Donnie Kirkpatrick about. Uh, we had uh, Blake Harrell on, who says he likes to go on before you, and so we, that's why we had him <laughs> on earlier in the week. Uh, he talked all about Michigan and how different they are offensively than you know modern day RPO. Yeah. defensively, what are the challenges that Michigan presents, Coach?
4: Well, it, it really starts with they have unbelievably good personnel. They have good players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not anything you can do anything about. That's just something they, they've they done a great job of recruiting. Obviously they have a traditional powerhouse school that, you know, puts 100,000 people in the stand. So lots of kids want to go play there, and they've done a nice job recruiting. So, uh, you know, Coach just done a great job. He's got a good staff, you know, there. And and, and they're not anything defensively you go, wow, okay, you know, you'll have to change all your rules. You'll have to come up with a different system or anything like that. They've just got good people that play good sound football and they play extreme hard. You know, uh, you're looking at their tape. Now, you know, there were some teams that competed with them. They won some close games. Uh, but they held Ohio State to 23 points, and you know that's that's hard to do with, with the personnel they've got. Uh, so it, it's it's just basically they got good players and they got good coaches that know what how to how to get them to play hard and get them in the right place.
1: It's got to be you have everybody's attention, I'm sure, because I mean this is a huge stage, top two or three team in the country coming off a playoff. So I mean, as far as having everybody's attention that's not going to be an issue I I would think so and it gives you something to really own in on does it not with the start of of camp
4: in a a month and a half you know you you would always as a coach probably say yeah I wish we had a little you know better game to to get started especially you know for our offense seeing how we lost so many players from from last year and, and really some players that have been playing since we got here but like you're alluding to have an opponent a national i mean they are the winningest football program in the country they have more wins than any university ever so they're the winningest school ever um, you you're going to have your fans obviously excited I, i've had more people talk to me about going to the game you know uh and and then some other people saying well i want to go to the game but if we if we were because it's we you know here with the pirate country Mm -hmm. if we were to win in ann arbor god i'd hate to miss the celebration back here in downtown greenville which was an interesting (laughs) thing i thought i thought well well, you know i thought well damn i'd like to get a jet and get back for that too you know what i'm saying well you're gonna be on a plane
1: coming back i mean you'll get here it's not like you're having to go through the ann arbor (laughs)
4: airport i mean come on Yeah, so it, they make a good point, but there's a lot of people, you know, talking about the game. Yeah, and you know, we're month we're months away. The other advantage is uh, summer workouts. Our players are going to know they know they've got to be ready. So you know they're they're working hard now, and they always do. But you know, will we, we'll, their attention is? They know they're going to have to be at their best early uh, as well. So the workouts are going to be easier. Preseason camp, you know, is going to always be a grind, but but you're going to have their attention because they know they got to be ready.
1: Donnie Kirkpatrick is with us uh, here. Let's talk Mason Garcia. Uh, Mason Good. Garcia, you know, it was interesting. And, and if this was – I don't think this was an off-air conversation. I think this was an on-air conversation. So, if it was off-air, just say, Patrick, shut your big mouth. But <laughs> you you told me uh, last year, and as Holton Aylor is as fantastic as Holton is and was, left-handed quarterback so there's a lot of wrinkles so it's almost
4: I mean you're flipping in a lot of ways this year yeah we are you know the biggest thing with with Holton being left-handed it, that I've joked with him about you know and really everybody else probably around but with some seriousness in it is that when you have just one left-handed quarterback and everybody else is right-handed you almost have to have two game plans right because the lefties are different you know you're and, and calling a play, you don't just call a play and then pick out another play and call it a play. You know, there's a lot of sequencing to it. You're, you're, you have to set things up. There are plays you run, and and sometimes, literally, you may just run a play to run another play later because, you know, you're trying to set that play up. So... Sometimes, you know, left-handers like to, to boot more to their left uh, or, or, or roll out more to the left. Or even when they scramble, they have a tendency to go more, obviously, to their throwing hand. And Holton had that tendency very much. Something we worked on, we tried to tried to even, you know, break those tendencies a little bit. So you might run a play to get the ball in the right hash so that you'd have the wide side of the field to the left. And, you know, you set your game plan up like that. But if Holton were to ever get hurt or you're playing the other guys, they're all right-handed. You're going to have to have another game plan to call a different play because you might want to get the ball on the left hand. So that's just one example. It comes into play a lot, I think, on the goal line when you sprint out and you roll right. out a little bit more. Right. Too. And, and then you you set your personnel up a little bit in that you want your best pass protector to be the old blind side. And so you really want that guy probably to be the right tackle when you have a left-handed quarterback, which we thought our best pass protection guy was Noah Henderson. So that's why he played right tackle. Now, you go in with a right-hander, you know, you're you're a little misaligned a little bit. You'd rather have the guy probably over there at the left. So there's just a lot of things like that. So I always joke and say, well, if I don't have one left, you have to sneak get all left-handers. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to have one left and then three right. So now we do have all right-handed quarterback. So it will make some of those little things like that, for me, a little bit easier.
1: Donnie Kirkpatrick is uh, on with us. Uh, if you were – well, just give us – your perspective the update in your mind where mason garcia is right now
4: i think he's he's ready to go i mean he's he's uh, just so so ready you know he he's been one of the most loyal players in today's modern day football ever i, I we're so appreciative of that and that you know most guys would have probably have left and that he it all you know intentions of being the starter last year and then, because of the COVID situation, Houghton was able to come back one more year. And wow, did he cash in and, and make the best of that! And so we're so glad that he was able to do that. That was hard on Mason, you know, because he had, you know, geared no. He knew coming in that he would not be the starter right away. He was hoping to be the backup, which he did become. And then, you know, he spent two years doing that, and uh, he was all set to to go. And then Houghton decided to come back, and so. Just, you know, a lot of people got in his ear. There were a lot of people telling him that he should leave. He should hit the portal. You know, you can do all that, and and most kids around the country would have done that. But he had grown to love it here. got a lot of friends here, loves this team. And uh, you know what? He's been very loyal, and we've we've tried to return that, be very loyal back to him as well. So he's made great progress. Uh, He's ready to go. You know, now, does he have a lot of experience? No. He's started one game. And, you know, the best quarterbacks out there in the world that have only started one game are not at their best. So it's just a matter of there's going to be some growing pains, but he has great ability. Uh, his ability is every bit as good as we've ever thought it would be. And he's practiced really well. And he's really gotten really committed to it. And he's worked very hard. And he's, you know, he knows the offense. And I think we're molding it a little bit more to what he does well and uh, that I'm not changing the offense, but, you know, he's different than Holton and Alex is different than him, and, and that's just the way all the quarterbacks are a little bit, but you do kind of mold it a little bit to who your starter's, starter's going to be, and I think that by the time we get through with all the summer workouts, we're going to be ready to, to take off and, and play well, I think.
1: ECU offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick, our guest uh, this afternoon on the Patrick Johnson Show. What are the strides that he has made and then what are the strides that he needs to make uh between now and labor day weekend well i think
4: the biggest thing is from when he came here you know in the world today where quarterbacks everybody's no huddle even in high school these guys are no huddle they don't have to call the plays you know one of the things was just learning to call the plays now Holton's going through those so same growing pains at Seattle he's back in town I was visiting with him the other day and he was just talking about there's the, the plays are so long because they have they have the the, uh, the mic in the quarterback's helmet so the quarterback coaches, or whoever's calling the play can just say you you can basically tell everybody what to do but then the quarterback's got to repeat that in the huddle because they're they're mostly in a huddle team. he's like man these plays are 15, 17 words long. It's hard to remember all this stuff, and you have to practice. He said, literally at night, just called the play. Well, ours are much shorter than that, but they were much longer than they were in high school, and Mason came from a program where they signaled in the play to every player. Here, we signal it in to the receivers and to the quarterback. The quarterback has to tell the line, he has to tell the running back, and sometimes the tight ends what to do. So there was a big, big learning curve him just doing that well he's mastered all that and then you know when you have a guy like holton he he embraces the wanting to be involved in the in the the, the system and have input and he likes to have the ability to change plays and do alerts at the of scrimmage and get you out of bad plays get you in a different play add some individual things to the receivers you know change a route or two mm-hmm. so you fall into using that, well, then Mason had to keep up with that. And that was things you know, young quarterbacks are just not ready to, to do that. He's now doing all of those things. He's changing protections. He's putting us in better He's getting us out of the the, the bad place. So he's just made great strides, I think, in those aspects. What, is he working on hard? He's working on his footwork right now.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: because he has such a good arm, and, and this is a very – very normal thing for guys that have big arms, they have a tendency to rely on the the big arm. Well, I can just fit that ball in there. You know, I'll be able to just throw that through people. And you get away with that until you get to a higher level. And then just his footwork of, of just being able to have such a strong arm, sometimes he doesn't use the lower body in the correct way. He steps the wrong way and throws across his body or out to the side. So he's working really, really hard on that on his own. and, and just, you know, studying every bit of film that, that, that he can to watch himself and you know, when he gets that back down a little bit more, he's really going to be special.
1: A raw talent. How much of it is you do have to maybe live with some of the mistakes or, you know, live with the growing pains and how much of it is you don't want to put a rein on him so much so that you don't take advantage of those God-given instincts.
4: Well, these are all the discussions and all the thoughts that you have, and all your your game plan meetings and your offensive meetings, and then your meetings with the head coach because that's true. You you want him just to go. What he has the ability to do is really run with the ball as well. And he's six five and he's, he's two hundred fifty pounds, and so you know he's not going to get he's not going to be very fragile. He, he's shown, right. <laughs> you know, even in the game he played right. against Navy, he ran over the defensive player of the year in our league, the linebacker. Navy mm-hmm. and and literally just ran him over and you're like wow now now I don't think we want to get him hit like that you know 20 times a game you're not going to be like a running back or he'd never be able to throw the ball you know something would happen to his shoulder or, or his arm but we, we do want to use that you know we want to be able to do that and he's young enough right now he's not beat up Holton probably started his career off like that and then really by the time I think we kind of got here he was getting some beat up he had a knee injury in his back. And, before long you know you you don't know if you want to do that or not uh but we we do want to turn him loose like that now the thing that mason's coming into differently than what holton came into is you know holton was either fortunate or unfortunate he was unfortunate that he came and was on a really bad football team when he got here really bad right i mean i don't remember they didn't score much okay and they didn't they didn't win much and so you can just say well don't worry about the mistakes. We just need somebody to make some plays to, just to give us a chance to be competitive. Now, the expectation here is back up to where you know people think, well, we should win every game. Well, why did we not? How did we blow that game? Right. Yeah. Right. You you won eight. You went bowl games, but shouldn't we have beaten Navy? Well, yeah, yeah. We all think that too. You know, we we don't we don't want to lose any games. So the pressure is a little different for the team taking over. You know, you, you go out there and you mess up and you cost us a game or something, people are going to think, like, well, that, was, that wasn't that very good. You know what I'm saying? You can't afford to do that. So that is some things that we've got to make sure he doesn't feel that pressure. We don't want him to have that. But we got to protect him some. Now, he also has the advantage of he's got some better players probably around him right now sure. than we had a couple of years ago. So that's kind of nice. And, and what you preach to the quarterback all the time is, you don't have to go win the game. Your job's to get us in the right play and get the ball to the guys that can go win the game. And and that's what I think he's gonna do this year.
1: It's always a treat to talk to Donnie Kirkpatrick and we'll have more with Coach right after this on the Patrick Johnson Show. <laughs>
3: This is Chris Cook here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update. The Guardian's consensus top prospect, ECU baseball alum right-hander Gavin Williams, made his much-awaited Major League debut on Wednesday. Cleveland's first-round pick in 2021 worked five and two-thirds innings, allowing four runs on four hits, all in the third, and struck out four. Cleveland manager Terry Francona with a lot of positive takeaways from Big Gav's performance.
1: That was really encouraging. He had to, was the third inning where he gave up, what, four hits in a row. Actually, those, I think, were the only four hits. And they were right boom, 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 boom. But then he came back and had a seven-pitch inning and a five-pitch inning. I think that's what you're probably alluding to. That was really encouraged. There's a lot to be encouraged about. And I don't think, just from hearing the guys today, he had his best stuff even. And there's can be a million reasons.
3: Williams maxed out at 98 miles per hour, topping 96 on 18 of his 84 pitches, and did not surrender a hit in five of the six innings that he was on the mound. The Greenville Little League City Championship best of three series started Wednesday night with Game 1 at Stalling Stadium. EC Auto and Truck Center raced out to an early lead and then won it with a walk-off 9-8 victory over Kaiwanis. Game two of the best of three series is set for 7 tonight at Elm Street Park, weather pending. One team has locked up its spot in the College World Series championship. The second-seeded Florida Gators scored a ninth-inning run to take down TCU 3-2 in the semifinals in Omaha. The Gators are back in the championship series for the first time since winning the national title in 2017. Fifth-seeded LSU stayed alive with a 5-2 win over top-seeded Wake Forest in game 1 of their semifinal series. The teams will go head-to-head in a winner-go-home matchup tonight for a spot in the championship. And finally, the big the big rock Blue Marlin Tournament released a three-minute video on its Facebook page on Wednesday about the controversial decision that happened at the end of the tournament this past Sunday. Here's the president of the Big Rock board, Emory Ivy.
2: Rules are important in every sport because you have to have a perimeter, some guidelines to judge what it is that you're doing.
3: It's the first statement from the organization since Sunday's ruling. The Big Rock committee ruled since sensations. Blue Marlin was ineligible because of at least one shark bite near the fish's tail. That decision gave Sushi the overall victory. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game sports update. More of the Patrick Johnson Show with ECU Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick on the other side of this quick timeout right here on 94.3 The Game. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show.
0: It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game.
1: Donnie Kirkpatrick is the guest, ECU Offensive Coordinator. Great to be talking with Coach Donnie Kay. ECU has their women's clinic uh, this weekend. So all the hard camps are over, as Ann Hoggard told me. And now this is the fun camp this weekend. So uh, it'll be going on. And then the recruits are in. So it's a busy time, isn't it, Coach?
4: It is. and. Uh... You know, Ann does a great job of keeping us on track with all the camps and organized and it's for flights as well, too. So the ladies' clinic is kind of the, the last one usually. And and it, it's always fun because they're so, they're so energetic and they're so into it as, as well. So it kind of caps off the, the end of camp season.
1: Uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick with us here. Uh, Coach, as far as uh, this is the last big recruit weekend uh, before the yes. dead period, too,
4: right? It is. Yeah, we go dead, uh, or as dead as it can be, meaning no one can be on your campus, or you can't be off evaluating anybody for for two weeks after this Saturday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Uh, so it's a big commitment weekend too. A lot of a lot of people kind of wrap up business before their senior seasons. Uh, so it's a big weekend for the Pirates. Uh, we're talking uh, ECU football. We're talking ECU's offense. Couple things uh, just to put a a bow on the Mason Garcia. Uh, conversation and the quarterback conversation. How will you have to be different as a play caller, especially early next season?
4: Well, I I don't know, you know, that I could put that into words or whatever. Like I say, we're, we're still in the process of, you know, finding our groove a little bit about, you know, each year, you you have a big playbook, right? You, You can't use, you can't use it all in one season. So, you know, the, our our biggest challenge, you know, offensively, is just all that their faces and and I'm not talking about just players. Is that we've had a lot of turnover on the staff. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've joked a couple of times in some of the speaking engagements that um, you know first staff meeting for the offense, we had to give out name tags for everybody to just know each other a little bit in there, and that you know, Coach Shankwire, the legend, finally retired a little bit, and I think he probably deserved that. Uh, so we had to go find a new line coach. Well, you know when you're when you're coordinating from the quarterback position, well, your line coach is a big deal to you. Right. And I was fortunate that me and Shank were together like six straight years with me being the coordinator. But we had also previous experience back on Skip Holtz's staff where we had worked together. So you know it was almost a situation where we could finish each other's sentences. We we knew what each other liked. We kind of knew how to work together a little bit, you know. Uh, so, big deal hiring a new line because we were very fortunate to get Alan Mulgrich to, He's to good. come on board. He's a good He's one. He's great. Yeah. And, you know, Alan knows our league. He's been at Central Florida. He's been at South Florida. Me and Alan go all the way back to 2003. Uh, we right. were together at Western Carolina. So, I've known about him, you know, known each other. We've always stated that he has a lot of the same – structures and beliefs and things but he's going to bring some new things too to us too so we're really good so we just finally get settled in with him in january and then you know first day of spring ball we lose two coaches we lose our running back coach and we lose our inside receiver coach well that's that's a lot to take now we were very very fortunate in that we had a great young analyst on the staff here in our who worked very closely with coach scott as well as me so, you know, first thing, well, okay, we just got to plug the dam here, you know, the, the, the flood coming. We move him in, hey, just take over. And he did a great job. He did such a great job that he proved that he was really the best guy to hire for that job. And uh, that was great because I was 100% behind that. So, you kind of feel that whole way. You, like, we moved Raquan Boyette back to running backs, which is something he had played at Duke and coached there. And then we went out and we were very fortunate to be able to find a – Great receiver coach that I think is one of the best technicians and best teachers in the country. So, you know, but, but it, boy, it was a process. We didn't get the full staff actually hired as far as the full time staff till mm-hmm. two days before spring game. Mm-hmm. Then you start adding, we, we lost a GA. We hired another one. We lost him again. To, so finally, really June 1st. And then we're fortunate to get Shane Montgomery hired as our senior analyst which is another great plus to the staff. Now, me and Shane go way back as well. Shane worked for me at Chattanooga when I was the head coach and when I was the coordinator there. And Shane's been a head coach himself at Miami, Ohio. He's been a coordinator at a bunch of different places. So we're, we're coming out of this break maybe stronger than ever, but it's been a process, you know what I'm saying? So that's been a lot of what's just been going on about trying to get the staff all going in the same direction.
1: Uh, how will Alex Flynn – Factor in things?
4: Well, you know, Alex is, is definitely going to be a factor in this. And, and I, I've said, you know, there, there's always a competition for every position. In this system and in the Mike Houston system, you, you're going to get what you earn, and everybody's going to have to come and earn it every day. So, you know, even Holton had to earn it. I, I know that he had probably, you know, moved himself quite a bit ahead. It would have been hard to replace him, but he had to work too. And luckily, he was the type of guy that. You know, would work like that anyhow. But I, I, I love that we've got uh, two guys I, I feel very comfortable with that, that does let you be a little bit more aggressive with your starting quarterback as far as running him or doing whatever you need to do. Uh, but Alex is a brilliant young man that's uh, going to go to med school someday. He's put that on hold, oh, trying wow. to keep playing college football. Uh, and he's so brilliant that he's working on his NBA while he's waiting to go to med school. So that's pretty impressive. So you know what we're talking about there. But you know, Alex is the kind of guy that will will ask questions in there sometimes that I can't remember the answer to because it's been two or three years since we talked about that, and he can remember it. You know, like I'm like, gosh, Alex, I can't remember what we what we called that or whatever. Right. You know, what I'm saying, you know, so uh, it's nice to have a guy like that that knows the system so well. And what Alex has done is come back and just had a great spring practice and. and and really played the best that he could probably play, which is really what you want him to do. You just want them all to play the best they can play. And I think there's a couple of factors in that. I think, one, that he knew there would be an opportunity. He got more reps with Holton being gone, finally. And then, you know, I think the other thing was he graduated in December. And, you know, when when you're preparing to go to med school, You know, he was taking like 18 hours and stuff, and these are some pretty challenging courses that he was taking in the exercise science department. Uh, All of a sudden, he's taking like two classes. He's always got to take some, you know, at a time. And he told me, he's like, Coach, I've got a lot more time to watch tape and go out and work on some things on my own a little bit because I'm not so buried, you know, with all this this school a little bit. So I think that kind of took some pressure off of him too, because he's the kind of guy that, you know, if he ever made a B, you know, I'd have to go check on him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure he could could carry on. You know, he's just a straight A guy and, and he takes it so serious. So I just think both those factors kind of came out and he did a great job and had a great, unbelievable spring game. And so, you know, competition makes them all better. And we're only as good as the next guy. Because you're always one play away from having to play the other guy in here. If I made
1: a B in college, I was elated. Just elated. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. Celebration if I made a B
4: for him, he's a little suicidal. So I have to go check on him.
1: I had a four oh, but you had to add up all four years. Yeah. That was my that was my deal. Uh Donnie yeah. Kirkpatrick's with us here. All right, Rajay Harris, uh, how's he doing, Coach?
4: You know, I've been real pleased with uh his his return. Uh, we are trying to be smart. We're trying to be careful with him a little bit. He's the type of guy, He's boy, he's, at, he's ready to go. You know, he he's just can't wait to get back out there after being out for about three-fourths of last season. So we are having to hold him back a little bit. But he looks trim, and he looks like he's in shape, and I'm really excited about getting him back out there. New offensive
1: line coach uh, have had uh, a couple enter the portal, too gotten some out of the portal. How's the offensive line looking, Coach Kirkpatrick? You
4: know, we, the,
1: the portal was, was
4: tough on us with the, the loss of our center, you know, Avery Jones, who didn't yeah. even play in the bowl game. Uh, Hampton Erbil took great opportunity with that and earned a scholarship in his play in the bowl game, you know, going against a really, really good nose guard that Coastal had. Um, and so, you know, you think you'll survive that. You say, okay, we got one, we find another guy comes on. And then after spring ball, and really the last day of the portal, the shot Struthers hits the portal on us as well. So that was tough. But uh, Coach Mogridge actually brought one guy with him, uh, Dustin Hall, who I think is going to be an outstanding player, another guy that started in this league, you know, for South Florida, knows Coach Mogridge's system, knows his calls, knows his attitude, knows the way he wants things done. That's been nice to get him on board. And then we did hit the portal and got two guys – and Ryan Beckman and, and Owen Murphy out of Akron, who are two guys that are tough Cleveland, Ohio type guys, you know, that type of guy. And they played a lot of football, so they have a lot of experience. So they're in there competing right now for starting jobs. So there's there's been a lot of competition on the O-line, and uh, that's driving them. And I, I, I feel like we're going to be okay there. Jalen Johnson
1: kind of came on uh, a little bit <clears throat> near the end of last year at times. You got Shane Calhoun. There's a little bit of a proven commodity there. I know there's a, probably a next step you want to see with them. And Hatfield, I think, would fall into that. The, uh, the South Alamance uh, senior would fall into that as well. So uh, what other – or, or, uh, yeah, Kerry King might be one, too, that you, you maybe are looking to maybe take a next step. So the receiver position, I'll let you kind of just speak to that and, and what you're looking for out of that group and, and what you really need to have someone kind of emerge to do.
4: Yeah, we lost a lot of our offense there, and you know, and with, with Isaiah having such a, Winston having such a big season for us, and obviously CJ having a great you know year for us, and and then Ryan you know uh, King doing uh, Ryan Jones doing the same thing, uh, but yes, Jalen Johnson really was probably per play the most productive receiver we had. He just was hurt all the time. He had a situation where. He pulled a hamstring and spring ball when he got here, and then he had a foot injury, and then he ended up having a back injury. So a healthy Jalen Johnson will have a big year for us. He's probably our most consistent guy. He's a guy we're really, really counting on. Shane Calhoun has is, is always been a good player for us, and he'll get a chance to get more touches, I think, this next year. Uh, we're, we are excited about a couple of new guys. Uh, Keelan Robinson's a young man that, that came in from Kansas and has great ability. Uh, we, we hit the portal for him and for Chase. So uh, both guys, though, not one-and-done guys. You know, the, the Winstead thing really saved us last year. But we tried everything to not get into it just a one-for-one guy, just in that you have to rebuild. You're just, you're just feeding that monster too much. So Kevin Robinson and, and Chase So both have like three years, and they're big, tall receivers, kind of like Isaiah was. And then a guy named Mike Wy- Wyman is a kid that walked on here that originally had signed with South Carolina and ended up leaving there for a couple of reasons and went to a prep school or, or a community college and got his grades up and has come in and, and has impressed us as well. So you're, you, you mentioned Desai. Desai Hatfield is, is a big play mm-hmm. waiting for a place to happen. We've got to get him to be more consistent. We've got to get him to be there for more games. He's fought injury throughout his career here and some other things, you know, some academic suspensions and things. And it's his last go around. It's got a little different look in his eye. I think he's going to take advantage of the opportunity. Coach, um,
1: the kid Bond can fly, can uh, of, of he? Yeah.
4: yeah, he is. Uh, I'm not going to say he's keeping Mitchell, Chris Johnson fast. But I know one thing, he's in the conversation with, <laughs> with those guys. So, right. um, you know, he, he's learning the college game a little bit. He's way, way ahead of what normal freshman would be. You know, Keaton wasn't really ready to go his freshman year, whereas Rajay was. So you never know what their timetable is. But he's a big play waiting for the place to happen, just like Keaton was.
1: Donnie Kirkpatrick with us. Coach, what will be uh... – kind of the schedule for the team out of uh, this week. Uh, yeah, I know they're with Big John right now, but w- what does it look like the next couple of, uh, you know, month and a half before camp starts, I guess, would be the best
4: way to put Well, the, the, the players have another week of uh, hard workouts with Big John as far as the strength training, the conditioning, and they will be doing some on the field things next week. Uh, all the coaches won't be in the office all the time next week, but some of us will be here. And we do these things called OTAs, organized team activities, mm-hmm. twice a week. And so they will still be doing that for the next week. Then it's a discretionary week over the week of the fourth. You can only have so many mandatory weeks that, uh, for them. And so that's a discretionary week. So they'll work out. They'll work out on their own. Good, John will give them a program. The, we'll, we'll rest them just a little bit from all the running, though, and all the throwing. And then they'll come back. Uh, after the week of the fourth for two good hard weeks of training with, with big John and the OTAs again. And then they have about a week to kind of another one of these discretionaries. And then August 1st, they report and boy, the submarine pulls off the dock and it goes under. It don't come <laughs> back up till January.
1: Uh, Coach, will you get a chance to just get away for a little
4: bit, enjoy a, a little bit of time here? Yeah, I am. We are. Coach Houston's pretty good to us there. So we we have the next three weeks here where you you have some duty days. Everybody kind of fills in and does that, but you get a chance to get away. So um, I am looking forward to that though a little bit too, because everybody needs to recharge just a little bit, you know, and uh, it it is that time of year for us finally.
1: Coach, you're uh, the best. I always enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you, and I hope you have a great summer and look forward to to catching up with you here
4: in a few weeks. All right. We'll see you again. We appreciate what you guys do for the Pirates.
1: Absolutely. There he goes, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, Thank you, uh, Coach Donnie K. Uh, And thanks for being on the show today. Thanks to Chris Cook. Best of luck to him. Also, thanks to Clark Willis. Back tomorrow with the mayor of Greenville, P.J. Conley and Hayes Permar. Permar on sports. We'll see you tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson show and in the morning on talk of the town.